0: Hi Elena, how are you today?
1: I am doing great because we are recording our 50th episode ever. Woo! Woo!
0: And they said we'd never make it. <laughs> all We're the haters. we
1: make it after all.
0: Elena, right? I don't think you can sing that. We have to hum it. Or we'll have to pay it's for it
1: fine
0: I was actually thinking I should start singing Shania Twain's You're Still the One um, <laughs> not, not the chorus, but just like the verse where, you know, looks like we made it Look how far we've come, oh, yeah, yeah. my baby But well, anyway, yes, the haters drinking their haterade couldn't stop us <laughs> from making it to 50 episodes I actually don't wow. think we really have any haters Do we? Um Maybe that one guy that commented on the that one, one video we posted that said bro <laughs> chill um, <laughs> He's he a might hater. be considered a hater but yeah. but we didn't listen to him
1: See, I'm okay with haters. Like, more haters, the better, honestly.
0: I mean, if they're listening to our podcast because (laughs) they hate us, I'll take it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we are doing something extra special today for this episode, and we are bringing on a few guests who have some opinions or thoughts about episodes we've covered or just things that they want to share.
0: We are encouraging some polite, thoughtful discourse from our guests, and I think we're going to get that. We wanted to bring people who would have like a variety of opinions. So maybe they heard something that we said that personally offended them or that stood in (laughs) direct opposition to their views. Or maybe they just like heard us say something... And we knew they were a huge fan of the show and, like, they came to us afterward and were like, hey, you didn't talk about this on the show or whatever. Right. And, you know, you should have made this point, that kind of stuff. So we just want to take this episode to kind of appreciate our fans or, you know, friends.
1: The people who are listening, who've stuck with us through it all.
0: Right. Yeah. And maybe you'll learn something extra from our guests that you didn't learn from us.
1: Would you like to introduce our first guest?
0: I would love to. So our first guest is someone that I've been talking about T V with for years. We've known each other what how long has it been now? Like over ten years now.
2: Yes, it has been at least it has been at least ten years. It has wow. been.
0: Wow. Anyway, this is my friend Aaron Agerton. Everybody. Well, hello. Hello! It's very nice to be here. It is so nice to have you here, yes. And Aaron has some great thoughts and opinions about TV, and that's one of the things that I love talking about the most with him. So I'm glad that he has agreed to come on today and share his thoughts (laughs) about a couple of different shows that we have talked about okay. on the pod. So, Aaron, did you have a particular show that you wanted to start with?
2: Well, I think that the quickest one is is the best one to get out of the way because I don't like the show and you okay. don't like the show so there's no point in really getting in depth about it Perfect. but Friends is an anomaly right it's this thing mm-hmm. that so many yeah. people love but it is bad
3: it is correct correct. and the
2: people that love it know it's bad too but they love it for a reason right Mm -hmm. so if we look at it in two different aspects we look at it from the personal standpoint so i was like okay why did i like friends when i was growing up and watching it on tv Mm -hmm. and the answer was i i loved chandler Okay.
4: Okay. (laughs) And that's it.
2: I love Chandler. And I think that once I figured out that I love Chandler, I was like, oh, I'm just in it for Chandler. So just give me Chandler episodes. And then I was like, well, what is it about Chandler I like? And I was like, oh, I don't like Chandler. I like Matthew Perry.
1: Okay. So
2: I could then just watch Matthew Perry stuff that was good. And I didn't have to watch Friends anymore.
1: If I might (laughs) ask uh, what Matthew Perry stuff is good that you have watched.
2: Oh, okay. Um, so there's a really wonderful television show called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. huh. Um, I think that uh, the whole ten, the whole nine yards is one of the best uh, strange action comedies uh, of of all time. OK. And um, he had a really short lived comedy series where his wife was dead. And it's, like, him going to, like, grief counseling about, like, his his dead wife. And it's, like, with other people who have lost people.
4: Okay. Yeah,
2: like, there's just... He, he does these really... I think that he did Chandler for so long that he wanted to do his best to break away from all of that. So if you mm-hmm. look for his, like, independent films or his not really popular things that didn't hit well with large audiences because he wasn't doing Chandler you'll just see these really really nice moments i mean he's amazing on the west wing um as Mm -hmm. well because he was on that a couple times but then contextually in my opinion people got tricked into liking (laughs) friends because if you look at how it's written What you have is five characters, six characters that are completely different from one another. So if you identified with at least one of those characters, you wanted to watch the show. Sure.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like a modern Gilligan's Island.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It was Mm -hmm. Gilligan's Island in the fantasy realm of New York City. Right. And they never escaped (sighs) New York City. And if they ever had the chance to leave, they didn't take it. And I think the only time they ever did was when they went to England and they went to the law. And I think they went to Las Vegas once. I think those are the two. So if we look at the chart, right. That I have given you for the must see TV lineup. Yes. You'll notice that 1993 through 1995, what we call is the anchor shows are going to be at eight o'clock and nine o'clock. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Those shows force you to watch other shows because if you love, for instance, Mad About You and Seinfeld, which who didn't at the time. Right. There was no reason for you not to watch Friends because Friends Mm -hmm. was in between those. And what were you going to do? Because like at the time, the way that it was set up was it was almost this unspoken agreement everybody gets one day where they get to put their half hour comedies on and nobody's going to split them up. Right. Right. So NBC had Thursdays. ABC had Fridays with TGIF. Mm-hmm. Um, I think CBS had Monday nights.
4: I think they
1: still do. Right. I think they
2: still do. Right. All of these, they all still do for the most part. Right. So with, with that, you're looking at friends getting stuck in between For the first half of the year In between Mad About You and Seinfeld And then it gets stuck In between Seinfeld And the new ER Which is hands down considered One of the greatest drama TV shows of all time Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Friends Was foisted upon us for the first season and it was popular enough that it survived two time slots and then another time slot change to replace mad about you and it became for the next what 10 years the lead-in freight for musty tv mm-hmm. and so suddenly it's it's not just okay, we're going to watch Friends because it's good. It's we're going to watch Friends because it kicks off my night of television leading right. up to my favorite show, ER.
1: I mean, it's a great strategy. It works for Shonda Rhimes with her Shondaland Thursdays oh, on absolutely! Yeah. ABC.
2: So I think that for the, for the question of, well, why is Friends awesome? And the answer is because they marketed it to be in the best place it could possibly be to succeed. Mm -hmm. And, and when it's filled with what can easily be described as both the white male, like the white male gaze, because you have three funny male characters and three very attractive females, which in their own right have a tendency to be funny, especially in my opinion, uh, Phoebe, like we have all of the right things to get white America to like it. Right. And I think (laughs) that that is that is essentially where its popularity comes from. Where I think its popularity comes from now is its wild, positive surrealism.
1: I think that's fair
2: because it's it's just outlandishly, implausibly wholesome.
1: And it's also like at this point, there's the nostalgia factor of like people who were younger younger at the time the show came out like finding the nostalgia of that but also like gen z and people who are younger who are all about like the 90s fashion and Mm -hmm. all of that who are discovering it for the first time and it's a simpler time like it's i say this all the time pre-9-11 for what (laughs) most of it's run all of it's run and like clinton era like everything was good economy was good people were happy like allegedly asterisk there but i feel like now things are so complicated it's definitely true i mean i think about ted lasso and why ted lasso has hit at the time that it has in the way that it has i think it's because it's like just so unbelievably wholesome Mm -hmm. and i think people are longing for that kind of simplicity almost of like things are just gonna be okay
0: i think that's definitely true of friends it's even if people do know it's bad like aaron said it's just like It's comfort food, you know? It's that thing, like, it's a security blanket. It is that thing that you can just count on to be there. I'll be there for you, as the theme song says. Yeah. Like, that's what (laughs) friends is to people. Friends is just a friend, a television friend, to people who just want something that won't make them feel bad. And, you know, just can maybe make them chuckle if they have a a bad sense of humor. But, you know, like... It's not something that's going to really offend anyone with its content. It might just offend them because it's, like, not funny.
2: Yeah, and I think, right. like, the very worst thing that happened to to one of the characters, other than his very wild infamous divorce before the show happens, but the worst thing that happens to Ross, I think, in the entire series is somebody eats his leftover sandwich that Monica made him. <laughs> right? Like, he uh-huh. he has a mental breakdown at work over a sandwich and we're just going man wouldn't that be nice to be like the worst thing that's ever happened to me
0: (laughs) and the worst thing that ever happened to rachel is she got that
2: haircut no that's
1: the best thing that ever happened to her right
2: yeah because that launched that's that's the haircut that launched a thousand ships
0: i mean looking at that haircut now though it's the worst thing that ever happened to her at the time. Of
2: course, it was the best. I I think that the dye. I think the dye jobs of like the weird chunks of different colors. I think was mm-hmm. certainly the worst look that came out of that show. But mm-hmm. I I think that her haircut structured her face very well.
1: Yeah, I actually like the. Hair, yeah, I think that so...
2: it works the most Do you most prefer with her? it to
0: her to Jennifer Aniston's hairstyle now?
1: Maybe.
2: Well, wow, I, th- okay. I think I think here's the thing. I think that that hairstyle is Rachel. Yeah. I think that mm. Jennifer Aniston's that's hair fair. is Jennifer Aniston. But if she ever wanted to play Rachel again, she's got to get that haircut because otherwise there's no point in playing that character. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, this is this will lead in pretty well. So sort of the idea of what is on your network can easily enhance any new show, right? Mhm. So with Buffy as a sort of segue into that, WB did the exact same thing. So at the time that Buffy came out, WB was floundering as to what its audience was supposed to be because the the network came out of Chicago, so at the time it was actually doing its best to pick up black television and really try to push it to the mainstream so before buffy came out the primary shows that were on the wb network were the wayans brothers parenthood the back end seasons of sister sister because they bought them off of uh, i want to say it was abc after it got cancelled off of tgif Mm -hmm. and then there was one show that featured a white family and that was unhappily ever after, but it was a white poor family. And the main premise was, is that the dad and the mom had divorced. The dad was living in the basement and the dad's best friend was one of the talking stuffed animals that was left down in the basement. And that character (laughs) and the character was played by Bobcat Goldthwait. Right. So, (laughs) so they were, it was, it was a mix of black, black, Uh, sitcoms, and then this weird sort of Mm off-kilter sitcom that people could just laugh at. But what's really interesting is, is there was another round of WB programming that a lot of people remember, but they don't associate with being with the WB, and that's Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, and Batman the Animated Series.
4: Yeah. So
2: that was all of the WB's afternoon content on a daily basis. So they were focused more on bringing kids in the afternoon to the WB than worrying about their nighttime programming, because for the most part, on almost every other day, their nighttime programming was movies that were owned by Warner Brothers. So, that's like, sort of how they were structured. And it wasn't until the relative success of Seventh Heaven, in its first season, Mm -hmm. that they said, wait a minute, what if we pick up young adult fiction television?
1: Oh, that's so fascinating.
2: So <laughs> so now we see this sudden interest in young adult TV and they don't know where to go with it. I don't know if this is the the channel's thinking, like the executive's thinking. But I do find it a very interesting coincidence that the year before is when Tomb Raider the video game came out.
1: Interesting. Which
2: in the 90s was one of the very first female-led action-adventure games mm-hmm. and of the time, the most popular video game that year. So suddenly this dude comes in with a show that features a kick-ass female lead character And one of the most highly sold video games that made the most money the year before was a kick-ass female hero. I don't know if those equate directly, but I think it's just an interesting sort of time set. Mm -hmm. But once Buffy becomes popular, the following shows are going to get picked up by the WB. Okay, Dawson's Mm -hmm. Creek, Felicity a really wonderful show that got canceled in its first season called Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. Um, And it's probably because that is the worst title for a TV show ever, (laughs) but it was still very good. Charmed, Jack and Jill, Young Americans, Popular, eventually later the Gilmore Girls, Smallville, Mm -hmm. Everwood, Mm -hmm. One Tree Hill, and obviously their powerhouse, Supernatural. And all of those have the same thing in common. The WB took up the mantle of being the one-stop shop for teenagers to watch mm-hmm. YA TV, and I and I think that that is sort of like the most fascinating cultural aspect of the WB and eventually UPN and uh, CW because CW. the UPN yeah. and like um, the WB merged. Yeah, I I hadn't really
0: thought about the fact that 7th Heaven premiered before Buffy and might have inspired that as a programming choice and like thinking about it in that way seems so strange because it's like it's almost like the WV was like what's the opposite of 7th Heaven (laughs) a show (laughs) where these teenagers are running around killing vampires and demons and stuff
2: well I think that that progression comes from the idea that okay we do have a wholesome show for Mm -hmm. teens Mm -hmm. that like Jesus But, like, maybe we should, like, get all of the other teens. Yeah? Well, yeah, I mean, also, Seventh
0: Heaven, like, they were fighting the demons with Jesus. Yeah, oh, that's a fair point. They were just fighting different
2: demons. Yeah, now they're fighting the real demons. Well, and also,
1: isn't, like, one of the hallmarks of, like, teenagers that they're trying to like figure out who they are so by offering two such completely different shows you're really just appealing to the same person Mm -hmm. because like a teen will want both at least you know i watched both i guess like i wasn't a teen at the time but i watched both when i was a kid and i feel like there's some appeal there like kids I don't know if they're necessarily as likely to say, like, I'm not gonna watch that thing as adults are. Like, adults already know what they want, quote unquote, or whatever, but teenagers are much more open-minded, and will just kind of watch what's on, especially if the network has all of this other programming coming in that's geared toward them.
0: Well, like, teenagers just in general tend to be so much more impressionable, and, you know, if they have friends that are watching 7th Heaven and that's not even a show that they would necessarily be that interested in themselves, they might watch it just because their friends are, you know, like that's not something that happens as right. much with adults. So I feel like that's why you had this string of very successful shows coming on the WB, because if anyone within their friend group was talking about Dawson's Creek and they were only watching Buffy, then, you know, they're probably more likely to start watching Dawson's Creek.
4: Right. Yeah. Very I... interesting.
0: Aaron, you did have... You said you had some things to say about South Park as well.
1: I also had something to say about South Park, but I didn't think I was going to get a chance today.
0: Oh, well, this is perfect then.
1: There's um, a an Adidas South Park collaboration happening. I know this is just <laughs> kind of a fun thing I saw, but they have like a different shoe for each oh, character. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Interesting. They're really huh. cool. Definitely that's Definitely cool. look it up. That's really great. But anyway, South Park. Um.
2: Okay, so I think the one thing that is super important about south park to to think about is in the first season especially but i mean obviously through other seasons but who is our narrator so one of the things that we we talk about in like in watching film is like what is the lens that we are looking through
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: and in south park we are looking through the lens of third graders with wild imaginations right so we're really looking at the hyper sort of surrealist version of what actually happened. So instead of thinking of South park going like, Oh, it's just so outlandish and weird. Just pretend that these four kids are telling us what they think happened. And like, that's really <laughs> what South park is. Yeah. We're just seeing like the, the most ridiculous things that could happen. And it's just like, what what's the um, Dr. Seuss book, what I saw on Mulberry street. Uh huh. Right. It's it's basically that. But it's like what a third grade kid would say as long as like he's seen at least like three movies where they're swearing in it. Right.
4: Yeah, that's true. So
2: but then what's really important is is one of the things that we talked about was we I think you guys mentioned that you noticed that there was a point where they were able to start doing the show. In seven days, right? We talked, you guys Mm -hmm. talked about the the documentary Seven Days, right? Yes. Right. Yep. So the reason that that happened was because of the Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Explain. (laughs) All of the computer programs that South Park uses are the same computer programs that Peter Jackson had developed to create the mass battle scenes in Lord of the Rings. Fascinating. And the reason is because that was able to create and store facial expressions and movements. And so you could program movements into the thing and make a character do the set of programming movements that you wanted by pressing mm-hmm. a single button. So what South Park is suddenly able to do with what Peter Jackson used to run thousands of characters at once... They're only running four or five at a time, so suddenly their job becomes infinitely faster. And that's the moment that we see going from, okay, we get to say funny things about things that we think, and suddenly it becomes we get to comment on something that happened this week and make it as topical as possible and then feed it to us in a way that is funny And then on on top of all of that, they get to give it in what I I would consider the most logical way to think about something. Because a third grader is the one at the end of the episode that is understanding their point. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's where we also get the split of kind of what I was talking about with Cody when we were briefly talking about Game of Thrones yesterday, which is uh-huh. there are two types of fans that watch TV shows. And it's really easy to call them smart people and not smart people. Like it's really <laughs> easy to say that, but I don't I don't want to say that. Instead what I want to say is I think that there are casual viewers and then mm-hmm. there are engaged viewers. Mm-hmm. Yes. A casual viewer is going to watch South Park and say, oh, it's a bunch of kids swearing. And every now and then Cartman feeds some kids' parents to uh, the kid in a bowl of (laughs) chili, Right. But an engaged viewer is going to see that something is being said here to us. Right. Right. And and I think that when we talk about things like is this going to desensitize us is this going to cynicize us i think that the people that it would desensitize and cynicize are already there sure and i don't think it's going to i don't think it's going to change anybody i think it's just gonna attract people that are already cynicists and and desensitized yeah
0: i think that's one of the things that we mentioned of like in the episode is that people are probably already so firmly within that echo chamber that you know they're just seeking out content that already supports the things that they already believe and you know whether the show is actually saying directly what they believe or not if they can find any evidence within the show to support their own ideas that's only going to further ingrain those ideas for Mm -hmm. them
1: Mm -hmm. i think where that becomes interesting though is when you think about people who may be watching a television program who haven't necessarily gone one way or the other yet in terms of being a casual or an engaged viewer, like children or younger people. Mm. And I personally think, like, for me, I think watching shows like Buffy when I was young or, like, solid television programming, it was inevitable that I would become an engaged viewer who was thinking about what I was seeing. Mm -hmm. But I know that's... I don't know that that's true for everyone or maybe it is like maybe some people are just going to go one way or the other but it's how do we make sure that everyone who's watching the program is able to become engaged to the point where they're thinking about things critically because if not then you might have people watching and becoming desensitized younger people children all of that and there are definitely kids who do watch South Park so oh sure
2: I mean I don't know if you know this, but South Park and Buffy came out in the exact same year. Mm -hmm.
1: That sounds right. right. Yeah. And so
2: (laughs) I was, I was absolutely watching South Park and Buffy when I was in the seventh grade Mm -hmm. and yeah, I absolutely was watching it going, Oh cool. These kids are swearing. I swear. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like (laughs) that makes sense. And then the other thing is like, I think that ultimately the people that are going to be engaged are the people that read.
1: That's a good theory, I think. Because,
2: like, we, we talk about literacy, right, all the time. But then there's also a sort of almost a viewing literacy. Like, there, if, if you mm-hmm. read books and you understand what's going on in the context and then there's the subcontext and then there's, like, character arc and, and all of these things that you read in your books, when you go to watch TV, you're going to think in the exact same regard. Especially with television now that we have in-depth character studies that span over the course of, like, four or five seasons of a character, you know what I mean?
0: I think it's all about, you know, your critical thinking skills, really. Like, that's what it comes down to, is whatever you are approaching in your life, whether it's a piece of fictional media or news stories... You know, as long as you have the capability of taking in the information that you are given and processing it and thinking about all of the implications and tearing it apart, you know, in your own mind, yeah. then that's, that's what we are supposed to be doing, I guess. It's just that not everybody wants that whenever they are consuming media of any kind you know it's a lot of people aren't looking for that they are just looking for a way to tune out the rest of the world where they are expected to do that well but for the viewer who wants to actually dig into a show like that it's it's interesting to see those kinds of layers in something like buffy or south park that can also be so appreciated by casual viewers
2: well i think that that's ultimately the the main issue with game of Thrones, right? is that sure yeah there yeah. there is these bones there is this depth and breadth of world building and character building and story that is in this show that had so much potential but in my opinion the writers and producers kowtowed to casual viewers instead of engaged viewers and so yep. we had the uh, ramping up of sexual violence we had the ramping up of gratuitous violence because like let's be honest like it's perfectly fine to show a bunch of people getting killed but like did we need to have the lady get her belly stabbed when she's pregnant i don't think we did like you know what i mean we could have just slipped that lady's <laughs> yeah. throat just like everybody else Mm -hmm. So I think that it's just like it's a matter of of which audience you want to tailor to. And Game of Thrones clearly wanted to tailor to casual as much as they possibly could once they realized that those casual viewers started watching. Right. Because I don't think the first season of Game of Thrones has anything in it, in my opinion, that was super bad. And like to me abhorrently disgusting right not compared not really. to the rest of the series <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and and i think that that's like was almost the catalyst was there i i would probably say the catalyst was the red wedding right when mm-hmm. suddenly you have people on the internet going like oh i'm gonna watch my friend react to the red wedding And then everybody was like, what is this show that everybody's freaking out about? And then suddenly (laughs) they were like, oh, what they really like about Game of Thrones now is we're getting more viewers with the amount of open violence and sexuality. Then let's just keep throwing that in at every single turn we possibly can.
1: I think it's especially interesting that we were just talking about reading books and that kind of literacy translating to like viewing literacy Game of Thrones being based on books but then like outpacing the rate at which the novels were being released and having to fill in gaps and stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that they didn't before that point already start catering more toward casual viewers but there might be a connection there at least in my mind between the lost like lost element of like the source material versus like them just having to make stuff up, even if they know what George R.R. R. Martin wanted. But maybe there was something lost there that had kept it a little more grounded and then it really just went even more off the rails, even more into like sensationalist kind of scenes.
2: Well, and it's it's interesting because uh Game of Thrones is not the first show that HBO has done that to. True Blood was was originally based on the sookie stackhouse mystery novels Mm -hmm. and the first season of true blood in my opinion is one of the best seasons of television ever
1: it's pretty great it's really
2: great and then they in season two they were just like yeah we know that there's a book but we don't care we don't need to worry (laughs) about that anymore we have a show now we can just write the show it's fine (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: this was great thank you for coming on and sharing all of these takes i feel like we're gonna have to have you back at at some point oh, to that... do a full episode
2: oh that certainly makes me feel nice inside
0: we thank you so much yeah, aaron thank you, for you very much
4: your yes your
0: insight and i think that you've brought up a lot of great points that we had not thought of or did not know about and Definitely. we really appreciate that
2: yeah absolutely hopefully
0: our listeners have too
2: Oh, I hope yes. so.
0: <clears throat> All right. Well, we will transition then to our next guest. Devin, can you hear us?
3: I can. Can you hear me? Yes. I can. Yes. I am in my closet because I want to be just like you. Thank <laughs> for
0: <You're>
3: having me. <laughs> Yes. Of course.
0: I'm so glad that you were willing and able to do this.
3: Oh my gosh, yes. I am so excited and honored and scared. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you have nothing to be scared about, I promise.
3: Elena, it's so nice to meet you. I feel like I know you because I've been listening to you, but this is the first time I've ever talked with you.
1: Yes, nice to meet you too.
0: So for our second guest, we have someone who's probably going to take a slightly different Approach to this than maybe Aaron did, which is great because we love a little variety here and want to get a Large range of perspectives Well, not a large range We have like three people on this episode But still A
1: sampling A A sampling Right,
0: yes Uh, So we have my friend Devin Here to talk with us about A show that she loves Or maybe rather a family That she loves That we have talked about
3: So before we talked about the Kardashians I did want to tell you guys A fun fact that I heard That I thought that maybe you would like Okay Okay. (laughs) So one of the things Many things that I love so much about listening to your podcast is I feel like I am just part of the conversation with you and it's just like I'm listening to a really cool great conversation with my friends and sometimes I wish I could chime in so the other week whenever I was listening to the mini episode one of your mini I was like, oh, I wish I could tell you this right now. But you were talking about how the <laughs> the president of Ukraine won mm-hmm. or was on Dancing with the Stars. And I wanted to share. I thought it was so interesting. I read that he was actually an actor mm-hmm. before he was the president. And he played the president of oh. Ukraine. So he was an actor first, played the president, and then he ran for office using the same name as the TV show. It was called Servant of the People. So this political party then called Servant of the People based on the TV show is what he ran for president for. And I just thought that was such a cool example of... TV influencing society and politics oh that would be right up your alleys. <laughs>
0: that is so fascinating. Wow, that would be like if Donald Trump had run for president on the Apprentice party.
1: <laughs> You're instead fired of, instead You're of pretending right. to be a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. absolutely crazy.
0: It is. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is fascinating. And, and like and it's especially fascinating because it seems like he has turned out to actually be a good president from everything I can tell. Yeah. Like so many actors that get into politics yes. are just like, you know, trying to expand their own personal brand, it seems. Um, but mm-hmm. yet for him to actually like be, you know, willing to stand up to Putin and you know, defending his country and, you know, beseeching other countries for help in this very trying time. And, you know, still being a strong leader, I think that is very admirable and impressive, given his not political background.
1: In a way, I I think the characteristics that would make him a compelling, like, performer or, or actor are probably the right characteristics to have when you're trying to like rally a people like he's got Mm. a lot of charisma he's very well spoken like you know all of that is what they need right now so it's kind of amazing
0: yeah that's true i guess he had the the best preparation
4: for (laughs) this
0: role as president having already played that role yeah
3: so (laughs) Well, thanks for letting me share something not related to what you asked me to talk about. But what you asked me to talk about was the Kardashians. So when I was thinking about what to say about them, I was thinking about how in the episode, Cody was saying that he feels very neutral towards the Kardashians and neither loves nor hates them. And I am by no means like an expert or anything on them. I just enjoy them like a normal healthy amount. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I thought that <laughs> I thought that I'd share why I personally care about them and when I think their show is the strongest and maybe that can help to illuminate things for Cody but also for other people who are just like why whenever <laughs> people say that they like the Kardashians. Okay. That
0: sounds perfect.
3: Okay. So one event that really illustrates what I'm thinking and is something that you hadn't mentioned yet whenever you were talking on the episode was whenever Kim was robbed at gunpoint in Mm. Paris. Do you guys remember Mm -hmm. seeing that? Like, did you see that episode or remember reading about it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 So... Whenever I watched that episode, I remember being in tears, like tearing up the entire time because it's very raw. Kim is telling them for the first time her sisters. Well, I don't know if it's the first time she's telling them, but the first time she's sharing in public her story. And she was talking about how the concierge in the hotel room with her was also handcuffed. And he was translating for them because The robbers only spoke French and she only speaks English and she was telling them, please tell them I have babies. And I remember her saying that instead of like thinking about herself, she said she just kept praying that Courtney would still have a normal life after coming back and finding her dead body because she thought she was going to die. And it was so heartbreaking and terrifying. but. Also, it was just like the love that she had for her family was just so apparent. And I feel like whether it's the Kardashians or any other celebrity, or even just like, you know, people that you follow on social media, but maybe that don't know that well, I feel like it's so easy to forget about their humanity. Mm -hmm. And the public's general reaction to that Paris robbery was, pretty shameful, like they did so much victim blaming or they just made a mockery of it. But I don't know how anyone could watch that episode and then still say that they felt like it was just a publicity stunt. Like Mm. the emotions, they're not that good of actors (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) So, So I think that by opening up moments like that on the show and letting you see their pain and vulnerabilities my maybe idealistic hope is that it would just help to create more empathy for everyone. And I do think that's what we need in society now is, you know, just more compassion towards everyone, regardless of what walk of life that they're on. So obviously the Kardashians are beautiful and successful and yada, yada, yada. And I definitely agree with Cody's point that just because they feel genuine and authentic, does not mean that they always are genuine (laughs) and authentic. But the reason that I place myself firmly in the love category for them is because even though our lives are so different, I do feel like I've really connected to them through those moments that feel really like real life, that I don't think that they were faking. And it just shows that, you know, it. The show just shows the human experience regardless of how rich and famous they are. So they're not the highly curated moments or, you know, the ones that are distorted based on how they want to spin whatever their most recent drama is. So things like that Paris incident or just the happiness that they have whenever their babies are born or, you know, when they talk about their dad who passed away and you can almost physically feel how much they love him and miss him and honor him still that is why i care about them and when i think that the show has the most impact so not when they're trying to portray a certain image but when they show you their hearts and remind you of their humanity and you just feel that love that they have for each other or at least that's the reason that i keep tuning in (laughs) That well, was beautiful.
0: Yes. Thank you so much <laughs> <Thank> for
4: <you. laughs> sharing
0: that. I did watch the the episodes where um, Kim talked about mm-hmm. the robbery, and I will say that those were the ones that struck me the most out of all of the episodes that I watched. I didn't watch mm-hmm. a ton, but like I watched enough to like be annoyed with them at times. I guess um, for like yes. <laughs> the more frivolous stuff that I was like, okay, why should I care about this? But then I get to you know an episode like that where Kim is r- talking about this. Yeah, experience that really has been so clearly transformative for her. And rightly so. I mean, of course, who would not have their life, you know, totally shaken to its core by that. But um I yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. The appreciation that anyone can have for someone who has been in a situation like that where they thought they were going to die and they put were putting their family first. You know, I think that does show <laughs> that they aren't so they aren't so self-centered that they cannot see the bigger picture of, you know, what is actually important in life.
3: Yeah. Yes. And I think that's why the show is such a good platform for them, not only for like the business side of things, but also from that human perspective so that Mm -hmm. people remember like, Oh, these are real people that, you know, that we're spewing all this hatred about things like that, that. That's what I think makes it, makes it special. Right.
1: It's definitely true that if they only relied on social media, like if they were not doing this Hulu series that's coming out, I think it would greatly impact the way people view them and would can it would be like a continuing snowball effect of like more and more negative feelings toward them i think that the show really is the place where they are the most human and even if only a few million people are watching it it's enough to then get like recycled regurgitated into like the tiktok world and then everyone's seeing it even if you're not watching the show so
3: that's such a good point. And. I mean, I hope that I'm not just deluding myself, like when I choose to think that some of these moments are more genuine, but if the result is that I am feeling more compassionate towards someone or choosing to see the good in them, then I feel like that's an o- an outcome that I'm okay with.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Devin, can I ask, do you plan to continue watching the Kardashians, sh- the new Kardashians show on Hulu?
3: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I can't wait.
0: Do you foresee a time when you would ever, like, not want to follow their lives? Like, as a devoted but normal fan, like, is is there anything that, like, you can think of that would be, like... That would turn you off from them like is there anything in particular like if they if this show was like very different and you know didn't focus as much on the family angle or something like that would that bother you or like can you think of anything else that would be like that they would you know do to lose your fandom i guess at this point
3: i do feel like if those kind of moments or if it did just feel really scripted um Mm -hmm. Or I mean the catty stuff, the fun, like all of that's fun to watch. Let's be honest, every now and then. But those kind of things—that is what makes me want to watch and makes me like them. And like I said, that's just when I think that the show is the strongest. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've watched it enough years that I don't know if I'd ever just completely stop watching. <laughs> but I might not be as excited to watch if they didn't show that that more vulnerable side.
4: Mm-hmm. I,
3: So I hope that, I hope that maybe even with like revamping it and having a new thing I hope it even gets a little bit more personal who knows we'll have to see
1: that's definitely the angle I feel like they're taking in all of the marketing I've seen so I'm hopeful I'm curious what you think about the inclusion of the children more on the show like does that bother you at all do you think it makes sense to have the kids become a larger focus of the show
3: that's something that's so tough especially because I am a mom of an 18 month old myself and I mean it's just so hard it's like whenever they don't have a choice of Mm -hmm. like being in this public eye Mm -hmm. it's just a really tricky thing and I don't think that anyone can tell anyone else how they should live their lives so I mean it might not be the choice that I would make but I don't know I'm sure that they have their reasons and (laughs) I don't know. It, it's just hard. It's something where I just feel like I can't ever be one to tell someone else what to do. Whenever mm-hmm. I don't have the full picture, the full story, I don't know. Like if they've had those kind of conversations with some of the older kids, like um, like North being on TikTok, that's mm-hmm. a big issue right now. That Kanye right. really doesn't like that apparently, and Kim says she has talked with her about it. It's you know she um, it's parental controlled. And she wants her to be able to express her creativity in a positive way. And, like, I can see both sides of that. So I don't know. I know that's not a very good answer.
1: (laughs) No, No, I mean, that's that's basically how I feel. I mean, it's hard because, like, if you think about consent, it's like these kids can't really consent even if they're saying they want to do it mm-hmm. and then I always think about like the people who start and I'm I don't know you so I don't know if you've done this but like people will start like an Instagram account for their baby I have not okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean I kind of figured but I didn't know <laughs> but like you know they're posting all of these pictures and then like is the assumption that the kid will then take over that account when they reach a certain age or yeah. what and then there's all of these like maybe like a bathing picture of them or like I don't know stuff like you don't want your friends to see when you're in middle school but it's all already been out there for half your life so I just like it's so sticky and weird and I've seen so many YouTube videos of like mommy influencers like telling their kids to say and do certain things on camera and then there's people who won't even show their kid at all or Mm -hmm. even say their name so it's feels like there's Big extremes but I actually think as far as the Kardashians go like they're pretty reasonable about it the kids are there they're <laughs> focused on sometimes but it feels like a very natural thing to me like it doesn't feel particularly strong in either direction I'm curious to see what focus they play as they get older especially on the new series but yeah. it is such a weird weird thing
4: mm-hmm.
0: and going back to the authenticity idea that was you know mentioned earlier like you it has to be hard to know where to draw that line where you feel like you are being genuine and open about everything in your life but still not compromising your child's life at all you know because Mm -hmm. of course their children are such a huge part of everything that they do and are always going to be around when they're filming in their homes and everything like that so it's you know to completely exclude them to pretend like they don't exist, (laughs) would be, you know, maybe the fairest thing to the child if you want them to have a normal life, but it's also betraying the image that you are, you know, presenting to the world that you are opening up your home and your life to them for a peek behind, you know, the curtain or whatever, however you want to say it.
3: And what's so interesting to think about, too, is that, like, my daughter was not born into fame the way that their kids Mm -hmm. were. So, like it's it's a completely different thing so maybe the kids would feel like that would be more empowering to them to be able to also kind of be able to control their narrative a little Mm. bit by you know if they're already going to be talked about and photographed and everything at least it could be on their terms if their parents are the ones executive producing the show or (laughs) whatever so that's another reason too that it just feels like it's so hard whenever we have all these judgments about celebrities, but it's like, we don't, we aren't experiencing the same things. Mm
0: -hmm. All very complex. And, interesting things that that all of us will know about soon as we continue to grow in our fame right. because of the podcast <laughs> but devon your daughter was not Although born that's into true. fame you but will after, know this soon yeah, after your appearance on this podcast get ready devon because <laughs> your rocket ride to fame oh, is no. taking off <laughs> the,
1: the haters they're coming <laughs> what have i done <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well it has been a pleasure to have you on yes, and
3: enjoy the rest of your day thank
0: you and I yes. hope that you continue enjoying listening to us
3: oh I will that I know for sure <laughs> oh good
0: alright thank thanks Devin bye bye, bye. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh,
4: oh, Alyssa
5: I'm here Alyssa can you hear us <laughs> yes I've been here the whole time
0: <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that, then.
5: I did, actually.
0: Great. How are you? I'm
5: good. I've been grocery shopping in another window, so I'm multitasking. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Nice.
0: So, are you ready?
5: I am. I was on the couch during um, Aaron's segment, and I don't have anything uh-huh. nearly as intelligent to say as he did. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go ahead and well, lower yeah. your standards. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some notes written down, but they're very minimal. (laughs)
4: That's okay. I've actually,
1: I've been working on another podcast where I uh, basically recap and review every single movie that Liam Neeson has ever been in. And I have like a different guest each time. It's not out yet, but I usually take, you know, like maybe two to four pages of like handwritten notes and it's like bullet points. And one of my friends came with 10 typed pages (laughs) of notes and pre-written like bits that he wanted to do. So um, I understand not having a ton of notes. I don't think it's necessary. And it was so
5: overwhelming to be with someone who was so much more prepared than me. Yeah, Aaron left (laughs) his notes up on the computer here. And I was like looking at them and I was like, oh, no, mine are on a teeny tiny little notepad written in um, purple pen. So...
4: (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, we have one more guest for you on this episode, <laughs> and she is going to directly challenge one of Elena's views from a mini-sode <laughs> a few weeks ago.
1: I'm not ready.
0: <laughs> Get ready for the SmackDown, because here comes my friend Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa.
5: Hello. Hello. Um, I guess,
0: Alyssa, you know Elena too, because we all oh attended gosh. the same high school.
1: We took piano lessons from the same person. Oh my gosh, oh, we wow. did. <laughs> <laughs> we were not going to lie, the two best students of
5: of our teachers. I believe sure. it. Oh, I believe oh, it. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Elena shared an opinion a few weeks ago in a minisode about uh, it was America's least wanted. Mm-hmm. The episode where we talked about shows that we hate. Elena expressed hatred for Impractical Jokers. Yes. And Alyssa, uh, what do you think about that?
5: Okay, so firstly, I feel like I owe you an apology. You have never been in any of my apartments on any of my couches where I have forced (laughs) you to watch Impractical (laughs) Jokers, but I really feel like I feel guilty about that for people I have maybe done that to, so I'm just going (laughs) to apologize straight to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa, for the record, back in college... We watched Impractical Jokers oh, no. sometimes, but yes. I didn't hate it. I, like, I did not have the visceral reaction to it that Elena did.
5: Okay, well, that makes mm. me so, feel
0: better. Ju- f- yes, don't, don't lose <laughs> sleep at night because of that. But anyway, <laughs> continue. Oh, I lose sleep
5: at night over many other of my personal issues, so that is low <laughs> on my list. <laughs> but whenever, okay, so whenever I heard the episode, I think I like... Gasped out loud. I was like, "But I (gasps) love that show. Oh, I love it so much!" And I even like, I messaged Aaron immediately, and I was like, "You'll never believe." (laughs) (laughs) With with this dumb bitch said on the episode. (laughs) But then once Cody messaged me, and like this idea came out about talking today, I was like, "Well, okay, let me get my thoughts together." And the weirdest thing happened. I realized I don't like Impractical Jokers either. What? I know. No. I know. Oh. Well, here's the thing. I haven't watched it for years. I mm-hmm. We don't okay. have cable. So it's like one of those things where I feel like if it's on, people will watch it. I've never gone mm. out of my way to watch it. And I thought back and I was like, well, what's the funniest moments that I remember? Because I remember really finding it funny in college,
4: mm-hmm. which
5: was a fair amount of time ago. Right. And so I got on YouTube and I, like, looked up my favorite moments that I remember. And it turns out that the things that I still find funny are things that were done by only one of the members of Impractical Jokers. Okay. And I had to fast forward through everything else because I found it completely unbearable to watch. (laughs)
4: Oh my God. Wow. I
5: know I was filled with this complete secondhand embarrassment where I was like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I thought to myself, okay, well, what is it? So it's apparently the only Joker that I still find funny. His name is Joe. So what is mm-hmm. it about Joe that I find funny? And I thought, and I think that the, the thing that connects all of his, like, I don't know, sketches, skits, ideas together is that he turns the humor on himself and he does something embarrassing. So people are laughing at him. He's not Mm -hmm. putting it on the people around him where they're like, Oh hi, you're not in on the joke, but we're in on the joke. He, Mm -hmm. he makes himself the joke and he does things that are funny for everybody that's around him to laugh at. And he's not making fun of the people in the episodes, because I I was even like, am I even gonna still laugh at these episodes? Like now that I'm in it, I was like, oh no, this isn't even the point of the episode. This isn't why they're bringing me on.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: but so there's there's one episode early on where the whole the whole point of the bit is that the jokers have to scoop mashed potatoes onto people's plate in a restaurant they did not order mashed potatoes and the winner is the person who can get the most mashed potatoes scooped onto somebody's plate and okay (laughs) and it was so like i said it was so awkward i had to fast forward through everybody's except joe's joe just came out and he was like he became a complete maniac and he just starts yelling like he just starts yelling, like, potatoes, and he just gets these giant, like, scoops of potatoes, and he's just like, scoop, ski potato, scoopski potato, and he's just, like, <laughs> dancing around tables, plopping them down, and everybody at the table is laughing and having a fun time, and, like, I think that's what I can now enjoy mm-hmm. about the show and about him and his humor, but, yeah, I, it turns out I don't actually enjoy Impractical Jokers anymore.
1: Okay, well, I have a confession. So... Our Impractical Jokers TikTok that I made is like the most commented on thing I think we've made on social media at all. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered that there's a pretty large like TikTok following for Impractical Jokers content, which is baffling to me. I'm not really (laughs) sure why or how that community exists in such like a Gen Z place, but (laughs) maybe it's just universal. But anyway, I've been getting these TikToks now because of, I think, like, hashtagging Impractical Jokers of Joe. Mm. And I didn't know, I didn't recognize him right away, but I got a TikTok of him reacting to the Julia Fox clip about, yes. well, I was Josh yes. Safdie's muse in Uncut jams and... I laughed and then I showed it to my boyfriend and he was like, that's the guy from Impractical Jokers. So I actually think Joe is funny. Like everything I see of him on TikTok, like I laugh. I know it's not Impractical Jokers content, like it's just him. But he's a genuinely funny guy. He's got great expressions, great delivery. So I guess like this is a beautiful thing because
5: we're kind of meeting in the middle a little bit. Yeah, I I saw that TikTok. I know exactly the one you're talking about. And I, I actually like it so I could show Aaron later because I was like this is so funny so (laughs) yeah I think that he may be the (laughs) the reason that show like it appeals to people maybe yeah
0: how funny too that you two thought that you started off at such opposite viewpoints (laughs) for this show, and, like, you realize that you have something so in common that there's only one thing about the show that each of you likes, like, you have found that common ground (laughs) despite your initial differences. I think that this is, like, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but this is a metaphor for a larger societal possibility for people who think that they don't have anything in common that think that they are on opposite sides of an issue to find that one thing after reevaluating you know looking into things doing their research and their homework to find something <laughs> that they completely agree with another person on who they thought was on the opposite side of the spectrum from them Honestly. how how amazing that we have demonstrated the power of thoughtful consideration of a topic and bridging gaps you know bridging those differences that we think the divides yes that was the word i was looking for
5: i mean honestly there we could not be two more different people elena and i both 30 ish white ladies from small town in pennsylvania like it just doesn't (laughs) get more different than that Uh,
0: right (laughs) both of you have l and y and two a's at least in your name yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Honestly,
5: we're doing. We're making well, great strides for civilization right now. We are absolutely.
0: We are. We're no heroes, though, listeners. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're a little bit heroes, but not like. Right. Become, you know, don't put our names on any you know park benches or streets, or don't right. name any parks after us yet. Yet. But, but we're getting there.
1: You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> so. What's that from again?
1: I think that's from Batman. That the Dark sounds Knight. right. Yes. I was going to say yeah. Batman. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Such an illuminating conversation and did not go the way I, know, I thought it was going to go. But I'm I love shocked. that. Because <laughs> Alyssa, you and Aaron saw the Impractical Jokers live. Yes,
5: we did. One yes, time. I was, I was going to mention that. We, we got tickets because they came to State College. So mm-hmm. they're okay. like off of impractical jokers they are an actual like comedy team called the tenderloins and they've been doing that for like years Hmm. so we went to go see them whenever they came to state college and i was so excited to see them and i honestly didn't find it as funny as i thought i was going to but i like Mm. told everybody i was going and i made this big deal about it that like i didn't think that afterwards i can be like well actually (laughs) they're not that funny
0: (laughs) Well, wow. so that should have like... been your first clue that you maybe didn't like the show as that's, much as you thought, right
5: that's, that's true. to be fair, I did not pay for the tickets myself, so it wasn't that much of a loss but but I feel <laughs> like I feel like um I, feel, I think I've been holding on to impractical jokers for like a good ten years as this thing hmm. that I really think is like comedic genius, and just in the last week, I think I've had to let that go <laughs> this well, has been it's. <laughs> This has been
4: quite a learning experience. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like your Friends. Like, it, so many people hold on to Friends as this show that they thought was funny from years ago. And maybe upon revisiting it in adulthood, they realize, oh, this isn't actually good at all.
4: We
5: can only hope. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bro, I would like to state I, on the record, I have never liked Friends, nor thought that okay. that show was funny.
0: Yes, I, I have to say, <laughs> since that minisode came out where I talk about hating friends, which is the same one where Elena talks about hating impractical jokers. I have had not a single person say to me, how could you not like friends? I love friends. What are you talking about? I have had at least five people tell me, I hate friends too. And I thought I was the only one. I am so glad you said that because I thought that like, I was the only person who hated friends and you've like opened up my world to the idea that I'm not the only one who hates it. So I'm thinking like, now, like, is there really, like, is a, a possibility for a community of people who also hate friends that I didn't know existed?
5: Well, because here's the thing. Like, I, I feel like in the last year or so, there's been such, like, this push even for, like, friends merch. Like, yes, it's yes. everywhere.
0: Exactly. That's what I said. Like, my uh, friend Maria, I was just talking to yesterday, uh, who, and mm-hmm. she is one of the ones who said she also hates friends. And I was like, I don't understand how I can know so many people now who hate friends and not know... Like, I now know more people who hate Friends than people who like it. And still, when I go to Kohl's, I see a bunch of Friends t-shirts. When I go to Barnes Mm -hmm. & Noble, I see, like, Friends books and puzzles. Like a mug. Yes, when I go to Target, I see Friends mugs. And, like, who's buying this stuff then? If everybody that I know actually doesn't like the show...
1: Yes. So every single cast member of the reality show Vanderpump Rules loves friends. (laughs) Like they view themselves as being like, they're like, we are the friends. Because I think, I don't know, the numbers work out kind of like early on. And I feel like that is the kind of person that loves friends. Like the Mm. people on that show are... The audience for that, and are the people that would go out and just like drop twenty dollars on a friend's T shirt or like a friend's mug because like they somehow identify so strongly with it, and it's like such a hallmark of like their friend group. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if either of you have ever seen the show, but it's it's not good, but it's also (laughs) like
5: so good. (laughs) I have not, but I've had people tell me that I should watch it for that reason.
2: Hmm.
1: Season two of Vanderpump Rules has one of the best story arcs of any TV show ever scripted or otherwise. Wow. Okay. Wow. In my opinion. I it have is... never heard
0: this take from you, Elena. You're going to have to talk about this on a minisode or something sometime.
1: Uh, the only thing I'll say right now is like the show was still so young at that point and the people on it were still so much like real people. Like they were literally just working at a restaurant mm-hmm. at that point that I genuinely think what you are seeing is reality Hmm. for the most part. Like definitely manipulated somewhat, but is like actually just some drama that happened in these people's lives that is like mind boggling. Hmm. So definitely worth a watch. I haven't seen all the show, but I've watched like the first four seasons and they're all pretty fun. But season two is incredible.
0: Wow. Well,
1: now I'm definitely
5: putting it on my list now. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to let us know what you think. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is honestly like my life goal. My life dream was to be on a podcast. So like, Ugh. this is it. I'm done. I can die tomorrow and be happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, don't die tomorrow, please. Oh, right. I have, um, yeah, I
5: will don't. die after the episode comes out so I can listen to myself and then I can go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you'll be forever immortalized on the televisionary podcast and Anytime that anyone needs to remember you, your voice will be there for these few minutes that you've been with us. Absolutely. (laughs) But seriously, though, please don't die anytime soon. Yeah, don't
5: die. Okay, I will do my best.
0: Okay, good. All right, well, thank (laughs) you so much for being here. We really appreciate it, and I'm so glad that you're... (laughs) revelation about uh, Impractical (laughs) Jokers has come about because of our podcast.
5: Same. We're changing the world. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing this growth to happen.
0: (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Alyssa. Bye. Bye. Bye.
5: All right.
1: All right. Well, wow. This was an explosive episode. (laughs) It
0: was. It took some turns. I wasn't quite expecting, but I loved it.
1: Oh, my gosh. I feel like I feel like so high right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is what crack feels like. Oh, oh well, anyway. well,
1: Listeners, thank you so much for helping us get to 50 episodes.
0: Yes, we are so appreciative and we hope we have 50 more coming for you sometime oh, soon. It might be a do. long journey, but... Um,
1: get there yeah
0: and hey if you heard anything that any of our friends said on today's episode that uh, and you thought well you know what i could make a comment like that on their podcast one day you gotta let us know because if we haven't heard your thoughts then we don't know if we would want to you know put them on the podcast to communicate to the masses or not so just (coughs) excuse me
4: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god
0: it's like my body was saying, what are you doing telling them that? You, you can't say that. I was like trying to stop me.
1: But no, in all seriousness. Right.
0: Yes. You can DM us on Instagram at televisionarypodcast. If you know us personally, you can also just reach out to us. And
1: Yes. Uh, one thing know. I always tell people, I mean, I've never told people this. I don't know why I said that, but I'm going to tell people now is if you have something to say that you want us to play on air send us a voice message and then i can just edit that in and oh, we can respond to you i uh, think idea. it's a great idea thank you
0: yes <laughs> if you i mean let's not just say like a grocery list in this voice message we're not going to put just right. anything on the air but it's like, got to
1: be r- related it
0: has to be relevant yeah right um that's but the word. but we love to engage with our listeners, and we really appreciate it whenever people let us know their thoughts about what we've said. So please do that if you have thoughts.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let's get out of here because this is going to be a big one to edit. It
0: sure is. <laughs> but thanks so much for listening. I've been Cody Hoffman.
1: And I've been Elena Hillard.
0: And thank you once again to Aaron and Devin and Alyssa for sharing their thoughts. And yes. we will catch you, just Elena and I, probably next time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you
4: listen. Bye.